Hello and welcome to the X-Files on the Grid podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, Ghost in the Machine. Uh, so before we delve too much into this episode, I usually like to give a little bit of a, uh, an introduction as far as uh, our, our memories or associations with each episode. Um, so, so do you have anything before we delve into the grid as far as uh, your expectations jumping in or your, your memories jumping in? I remember watching this when it was first on TV. I remember I was playing with Legos and I had like pieces that were gears and stuff like that. Wow, that was more specific than I was expecting. Yeah. I don't remember the first time I saw this episode, um, and it's kind of one that doesn't leave too much of an impression on me, one way or the other, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I guess that was a quick one. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to add before we delve in? Mm, I will add it uh, at the appropriate time. Fair enough. All right, so the first category of the grid is going to be the writing category. Um, and then the first subcategory within that is going to be uh, mythology and character development. I don't have, have too much to say within this subcategory. I think the biggest things um, of note, for me at least, were um, that we get to see Deep Throat again. Yeah. Um, I think this is the first time since the episode Deep Throat. Am I forgetting one in the middle there? Uh, if you are, it's the same one I'm forgetting. <laughs> I think it is the first one. So okay. That's what I thought, but I, I tend to have a hard time remembering stuff like that sometimes. Um, so it was nice to see him again and, and establish him as a recurring character. Um, and then I also liked that we got some some hints at Mulder's past from, from before right. the X-Files and, and seeing his you know interactions with whatever his name was. I don't even remember his, his buddy. <laughs> yeah. So I liked those two things quite a bit, but other than that, there wasn't a ton going on as far as mythology or character development. So I gave the subcategory 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Uh, I gave it a seven out of 10 for the things that you mentioned. It didn't really in- add to the, uh, the mythology, the overall myth arc, but it did bring back deep throat and it did bring uh, up, it did bring up Mulder's backstory, his history with other agents, and that was neat to see. And it also had like the the undercover agent from another it's a from the Department, the Department of, of Defense. Defense. Yeah, I, think. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it, I I kind of like seeing the other government agencies how they are obstacles. Yeah. Even though Mulder also works for the government. Yeah, that's true. And it's just kind of a, an interesting thing. And it kind of reminds me of the episode that we talked about last week, where Mulder and Scully kind of look like jerks. They look like government jerks. I don't remember <laughs> if I mentioned that or not. I think so. Uh, Maybe not quite that phrasing, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, we kind of saw it from an outside perspective. And it, I just, I just kind of like seeing that. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. All right, fair enough. So what did you think of the uh, the plot structure and pace? Um, this one I had a little bit of trouble with as far as rating it. Um, I thought the pace was, was perfectly fine. And um, as far as plot structure, it, it seemed like I don't... See, this is where I start having trouble. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to call it plot holes but there's just a lot of stuff as far as like the technology of the episode yep. that is just 
very much so. I, I think it's just very common with early 90s things where it's like computers are just starting to be a big part of society and most people don't know that much about them. It's kind of this mysterious thing. Um, and so I think they could get away with it, you know, just kind of making stuff up and just being like, sure, you can access Word documents remotely through the internet. That's a thing that can happen. Things like that that just yeah. don't quite make sense. And I try not to dock it too hard because I'm like, it's not its fault it was made in 1993 or four or whatever. 93, I think, because it was October. Yeah. So I tried not to dock it too much for that, but there were just a lot of things within the technology of the episode that um, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way and really just kind of had me roll in my eyes and just really bothered me. <laughs> so so I ended up giving um, plot and structure. I still kept it within the meets expectations range, but kept it at the low end of it. So I gave it a 4.5 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of annoyed me too. Um, but people were really paranoid and very confused about what hackers are and are not able to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the things that that guy mentioned, uh, I I forgot everyone's name. Uh, he mentioned uh, what? Brad Mankiewicz, yeah. I think. Okay. Uh, any, anyways, he mentioned like different subtypes of nerds, I guess, of <laughs> hackers, and one of them was phone freaks, and that's an actual thing because modems work through the phone lines. It's it's just like a person talking to a person. It is a computer making sounds to another computer. It's exactly the, the way a phone works for people, and. Uh, phone freaks were people who found ways of mimicking those same sounds so that they could talk to computers. Hmm. And I think there was like a whistle that came in Captain Crunch cereal boxes. And that one was just the right frequency. And they could use that for uh, phone freaking. And there was a man named Kevin Mit Mitnick, Kevin Mitnick, who was sent to like some high security prison or something. I forgot the exact details yeah i forgot the exact details of when this was and um like how much people overreacted but the the judge in the case sent him to some like extremely high security prison where he was like not allowed any access to any electronics because they were convinced that he could launch nukes by whistling into a phone jeez <laughs> so there was a lot of paranoia and and phone freaks were real that that was a real thing I thought that was neat. So what did you end up giving plot structure and pace? <laughs> a three. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, despite the fact that there's some elements of truth to this, uh, it just really annoys me that there's no hardware safety precautions at all. Yeah. Like elevators have so many like physical hardware fail-safes that have nothing to do with software. That just can't happen. That doesn't happen. Like, you would have to destroy the entire building in order for a, a, an elevator to fall 30 floors or whatever. And the way that guy died with that switch behind the wall, behind the panel. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, who would invent that? Right. And then, like, when they're installing it and setting it up, they, they're like, okay, guys, remember, if the switch is in the up position, then putting the key in the lock will unlock the door. But if it's in the down position, putting the key in the lock will kill the person who has the key in the lock. So remember, make sure it's in the up position. Like, who would, that's literally, why is that there? Yeah, that's not even an exaggeration. That is literally what happened. And that is literally how it was explained, pretty much. That is just, 
it's crazy. It's, yeah, that made no sense. It reminds me of that scene in Galaxy Quest when they're running through the ship and there's like all this crazy machinery, like like giant factory style, like smashing machines, basically. And they have to like jump through it and do, go through all this crazy stuff. <laughs> and then the aliens built that there because that was in an episode and they thought that was necessary or something. <laughs> but everyone's like, why is this here? What does this do? Who built this? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. And, and that kind of thing just just really annoys me. Yeah, I agree. Although apparently it didn't annoy me as much as you because I still gave it 4.5. Mostly because <laughs> I thought the pace was was fine. And yeah, as far as as far fine. as like the, the plot, the the structure of getting from point A to point sure. B, like it was well structured in that regard. But as far as the technological aspects of does this make any sense? Nope. <laughs> None of it. So I I couldn't really let that slide. So I would have given it probably a seven-ish had it not been for all the technology silliness. I do think it's interesting, though, with with some of the technology stuff. And this is a lot of what makes X-Files interesting as a fan, you know, 25 years in retrospect, you know, is um, that like a lot of the computer and interacted with people and learned based on these social interactions. And after like a week they had to shut it down because it just turned into like this incredibly profane, racist, hateful, oh, yeah. like it basically just retweets what people tweet at it or something like pretty that. much. Yeah. And just learns how to communicate based on the way social media people communicate. And it essentially turned into a, a Nazi white supremacist, uh, like racist is putting it extremely lightly. Like it, they, and they had yeah. to shut it down after like a week. Um, so, so in that regard, maybe the fear is warranted, but, yeah. um, but I just think it's interesting that, you know, we're starting to head in the direction of, of the things these episodes were talking about, um, and especially like Scully's reactions to it, where she's like, you know, we're decades away from, you know, interactive artificial intelligence or, or adaptive, I mean, um, and I mean, we're still not there as far as, right. you know, what Mulder was talking about, but we're certainly closer and um, so I don't know. I just think that I always think that that's fun and interesting looking back on episodes. So I thought that was worth talking about. Still didn't really boost the score any, but it's it's fun to look at. Yeah, the uh, smart home thing does seem like a really modern idea. And it seems like they were way ahead of their time. But that's been an idea that's or that idea has been around since like the 50s and 40s. Well, the idea of it, sure. But the execution yeah. of it is relatively new. But yeah, I mean, even... Um, when we look at 2001 A Space Odyssey, which this episode blatantly referenced a couple oh, of yeah. times. Uh, I mean, that's not quite a smart home, but it's still a computer controlling everything in this space station. Um, and that was 68, I'm sure. I mean, it seems like a very weirdly 50s thing. <laughs> I can picture like a perfect 50s household with this AI. Or isn't that kind of the, the premise of like Fallout, the Fallout games? I feel like it's very Uh, 50s, but has like technology controlling everything. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. (laughs) That was a random aside. (laughs) At what point, this is a very obscure question. I don't expect you to know the answer to it. But like when that idea first rolled around in like the 40s and 50s, was it presented as positive at that point? Of like, look what we can do. So at what point? Everything technological was positive in the 40s and 50s. So was was it just the internet that turned everything into paranoia and fear? I, I honestly don't know. Huh. I think part of it is, um, I don't know, something changed with people's ideas about nuclear energy at about the same time. And I, hmm. I, I don't know for sure what it was. 
Huh. Interesting. Yeah, if you look at stuff from the 40s and 50s, it was always portrayed as positive. It was always good. It was always, you're going to spend less time cooking and less time cleaning and you're going to have more leisure time with your family and, you know, your standard of living is going to improve and you'll be able to communicate with people across the world and you'll be able to order things from your living room. That's an idea that's been around since the 50s at least. Yeah. Like, and those were all seen as positive, good things. I, and they are positive. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think it's positive and good. I Yeah. I, I don't know. It's always, well... And why not? Let's go there. This episode calls for it. But I, I do think it's always interesting talking to to different people about technology, because even now when it's become so ingrained in our culture, like you can talk to one person who will hear something super technological, and be like, oh, it's so scary. It's an invasion of privacy. I don't want this. Let's just go back to like, go back to the basics. And then there'll be someone else. Could even be like same age group. Like, I don't think this is an an ageist thing. I don't think it's a gendered thing. I think it's just a personality thing. Some people really embrace technology and some people really embrace privacy and simplicity. I think there's just a, I think it's just different personalities. And I'm sure I just said it wasn't a age or generation thing. I'm sure that does play a part in it, but I don't think it's exclusively that by any means. Um, so I just think that's interesting that it's still something that that some people really are against and some people are really, like you were just saying, like, but it's going to make our lives easier. We're going to have all this extra time. We can do whatever we want if we don't have to spend all day cooking and cleaning. Like, this is great. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's interesting. And and so for this episode, for as, as silly as it gets, <laughs> as uh, plot holy as it gets and nonsensical as it gets, and and even though it is very much so playing up on that, fear of technology trope, which we'll get into in, in a couple um, subcategories down. Um, so it definitely has all of that stuff that's not great and contributes to a lower score for this episode overall. Um, but it still gets a conversation going and it's still a valid conversation yeah. 25 years later. Um, so I think that's worth talking about anyway. It is uh, very different than the, uh, the aliens and ghosts and people who live in the wilderness Right. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, anyway, so moving on to uh, outer goals versus emotional needs. Um, What did you think about this subcategory? I bumped it up a little bit because it's about a computer who has outer goals of not being killed. That's true. I didn't think about that. I might bump my score up a little bit. So I, I bumped it up a little for that. Scully didn't really seem to have much going on in this episode in terms of our uh, goals or inner needs. Yeah. Uh, even less than usual. I'm not even sure Mulder did or not. Like, usually he's really excited to see something paranormal. He just seemed... Well, I mean, I he, was, he was helping his buddy. Like, yeah, it wasn't even that. his case. And it's not technically even, like, paranormal. It's just a outlandish case. <laughs> or I, I, I think I sure. overuse that word too much. Uh, but it's right like like it's not paranormal but it's not normal <laughs> either so normal adjacent i guess that's interesting though i think i'm gonna bump it up i gave it a little bit of a bump because i did kind of like that we see Mulder suffer the loss of his friend and, yeah. and he has to kind of get over that i didn't give it that much of a bump though because he seemed to get over it pretty quickly and then it didn't really have that much to do with the rest of the episode it was just like oh this character is gone now so 
So I felt like they could have used that emotional drive much more effectively than they did, but it was still there at least, which a lot of these episodes, we don't get much of an emotional need. So, so I gave it 5.5 out of 10. But I really like what you're saying about um, it's the computer's outer goals that are driving it. Because I, I didn't even really think about that. Um, so I think I'm going to bump it up pretty significantly. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do like a 7 out of 10, I think. Because that is unusual um, and very interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to do a 7 out of 10. Well, that's the same score I gave it. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. For the genre cliches and tropes, I don't know. This was kind of hard for me to score because it's very, very much... Scary technology, it's going to get us. Mm -hmm. We have to get it before it gets us. Uh, 2001, Space Odyssey, blatantly ripping off Hal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. I agree. I consider giving it a little bit of a higher score than I gave it because of the homages to 2001, A Space Odyssey. But 2001, like, I feel like that movie is not at all anti-technology. Like... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole other conversation that, that we're not going to have right now. But, like, I don't feel like that's at all if the purpose wanted, of that. If someone wanted to hear you talk about that, is there a place where they <laughs> can hear your thoughts? There on is. Uh, on the Nitty Gritty Review podcast, there is an episode where my sister and I talk about it. Um, so you, you for sure can. Um, I don't know how much we get into the technology stuff. I don't remember talking about it too, too much. Largely because it, it just doesn't play that much of a part right. as far as the themes of the movie. Um, so then to use those homages in this episode that's just a fear technology trope. Like the whole episode is just a fear technology trope. Um, and then using these homages that are not fear technology tropes within that just kind of felt wrong to me. Even though I always love a good homage, it just seems not in the spirit of the thing it was referencing. Yeah, like it's just trying to steal some of its thunder. Exactly. Back off of it. Exactly. Um, so I gave this category a, a pretty significantly low score overall. I think easily the lowest um, within the subcategory, at least, that we've seen so far. Because usually I really like the things that the X-Files does within genre. Yeah. And this one just felt like a, a procedural that we've already seen in, in several of the six episodes before this. Um, so it yeah. wasn't doing anything new in that regard. And then, like I said, the whole episode was just a fear technology trope, which even, I mean, this was 1993. We hadn't seen as much of it, but I feel like even in 1993, we were just saturated with right. like just all of the early 90s, if not all of the 90s was, was fear technology. So by 1993, I feel like it was already like... We get it. We don't like technology. It's going to be okay, guys. Yeah. I promise it's going to be okay. So in any case, I gave this this subcategory uh, just a 3 out of 10. Okay. That sounds right. And I, like I said, I have a hard time knowing if I should bump it up or down for that. Like, maybe they went too far, but then if they didn't go as far, would we? Would I complain that they didn't go far enough? I don't think mm. I would. But, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, actually, I... I'm going to knock it down a bit because I remember when I first saw this, I thought the same thing. I was just a dumb kid at the time. So <laughs> I will give it a three out of 10. All right. Uh, so that's going to bring us to the dialogue subcategory, um, which I really have nothing to say about. Um, I don't remember hearing anything that I thought was bad. And I don't remember hearing anything that I thought was good aside from the blatant uh, 2001 reference of what are you doing? 
Brad. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Um, in fact, now that I say that out loud, I probably should knock it down a little bit, but I feel like I gave genre with Jason Tropes a pretty significant bump for things like that. So I won't dock dialogue too. I'm just going to leave it at a five out of 10. It was fine. Yeah. Um, overall, I thought the same, but I did bump it up a little bit because um, in the beginning when Mulder was talking about why they went their separate ways, like how he was wording that was kind of funny. He's like, he wanted to go to the fifth floor and I was destined for, for a... uh, yeah, gunning for the, the, the basement. Uh, there's that. And then he said something about how he's an ass to work with and Scully's like, no, you're not. And whatever. He's like, I'm not an ass to work with. That's his actual quote. <laughs> I, I wrote that down. I'm not an ass to work with? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I thought that was, it was brief. Yeah. And it wasn't as good as some of the other dialogue, but I, I gave it a little bit of a bump. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. All right. Maybe I'll give it a Maybe about a 5.5 out of 10. Because you're right, there was some banter and stuff in there. But I really like my Mulder and Scully banter, and I don't feel like we got enough of it. We got some of it. Yeah, there was not much banter. And I did like seeing just the way Mulder interacts with... Um, I really should have looked up his name. I didn't even realize I didn't know it until we started talking, but his his old partner. Some of their interactions were pretty interesting. And even like when he's talking to Scully, she's like, oh, what do you say? He's like, oh, he apologized in his own way. Like just yeah. little hints at like, oh, this is just how their relationship works, I guess. Um, so there were some things that were were pretty interesting. But I feel like the the bar is set pretty high for X Files episodes. That's true. So I, I feel pretty okay with with a five point five. So what was your overall score for writing? So for writing, my overall score came out to a five point three, which is pretty right in the middle of of meets expectations. Pretty much yeah. what I would expect. Yeah, I got a five point four for me. So all right. Now, so that's going to bring us to the technical category. Um, and the first subcategory within that is going to be acting and casting. Um, what did you think about the acting and casting? The programmer guy. I, I do not know anyone's name. <laughs> Brad. Brad. <laughs> Brad. That's right. Brad, 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 Brad. You just got to remember, what are you doing, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to call him Dave. <laughs> So uh, the guy who played Brad Dave, uh, he was a little annoying, a little over the top. Yeah, I thought so too. I don't know. I mean, like I've I've met dozens of computer programmers, and some of them like actually work on AI stuff, and some of them are like crazy genius. And I've never met anyone like that. I think that's like how it's portrayed on TV, so that you know who it is. Yeah. Well, even like I felt like he was supposed to be very much like a Bill Gates type, like he even makes reference to like starting in his parents' garage or something like yeah. that. But I'm like, even Bill Gates wasn't like this. I don't think, obviously I never met him personally, but like pretty yeah. sure he's not like that. Or Steve Jobs, or did they both start in a basement? Oh, a garage, a places, I mean. dude. Yeah. So regardless, any of those people that like clearly are the inspirations yeah. for this character, I don't feel like we're as wacky or whatever. Right. It's, it's, it's the uh, the TV world, not the real world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that annoyed me a little bit. But like I just said, it's TV world, not real world. And, you know, you have to do those things because you have time constraints and you don't want people to be too confused or too lost or you don't want it to feel unbelievable, even though you're going out of your way to not be realistic. But Suppose. it feels realistic because that's what everyone expects, I guess. So... 
And it's kind of annoying, but I didn't bump it down too much. In fact, yeah. I didn't bump it down at all. I gave it a five. All right. I, I did bump my score down a little bit. And I feel kind of bad because um, like David Duchovny and Julian Anderson were great in this in this episode. It's not like this was a, a poor performance from them. Like right. they were great. Um, but the the Brad character, I just felt like the casting there was just so over the top. And I and I didn't feel like his performance was particularly strong. Um, it wasn't awful. Like it's not like I was like, ooh, this ruins the episode. Yeah. But it seems pretty clear that they cast him based on looks and not on talents. <laughs> and I feel really bad sure. saying that because I'm sure he's a fine actor, but there's also probably a reason that his IMDb page is largely TV roles where I'm sure he plays the same character right. in, in just an episode of a TV show here and there. I feel bad saying it, but I think that's just how it is. So, so I did knock it down a bit for him. And then there were even things like, what was his name? The, the business guy in the beginning, yeah. Drake, um, who died. Uh, like I felt like he looked exactly the same as the generic business guys we saw in like three of the last six episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and to already have that feeling of like, haven't we seen this guy already when it's only episode seven is not super great. Right. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you could argue that like, well, they're just hiring everyday looking people. So of course they're going to kind of start to blend together because they're not movie stars that stand out, you know, like there's that kind of the masses lump together or whatever. It's, it's like a stormtrooper <laughs> with a business tie. I guess, it's just, yeah. It's just a person. <laughs> but I just feel like, I don't know, they, they could branch out. I mean, if nothing else, they could they could get some more diversity in their cast. Like, I mean, they did have uh, the uh, Department of Defense guy who was African-American. So, I mean, they have some diversity here and there. But X-Files isn't exactly. It's a great show. Not super known for its diversity. Um, and I think that would help in situations like this where all the characters start to look the same. There's an easy solution to that. I don't think that was like a buzzword that people cared about as much. No, no, it definitely wasn't. They um, just hire who's appropriate for the part, regardless of race. But then they just hire people that look exactly the same. Well, yeah, just like with the nerd. Like, like when you see that guy, Drake, I guess his name is, like, oh, I know what's going on. You, you don't need to spend five minutes of exposition. Would you need five minutes of exposition to explain that a black businessman is a businessman? <laughs> That's not what I'm I, mean, I don't know. I'm not the, the casting. I'm just saying that in seven episodes, we're already getting an archetypical vibe of like, okay, in like four out of the seven episodes, we've had the same character who looks exactly the same. They could have mixed it up a little bit. In any case, I, I still gave the category overall 4.5 out of 10. So I didn't dock it too much. It just bothers me that and it wasn't even I didn't even quite have it in my head, like the, the diversity angle until I was explaining it out loud. It was more so just that, like, we've had all these people that look exactly the same. And then it dawned on me, well, duh, get some diversity in there and, and people won't look the same. That's what diversity means. Um, but these yes, people so all just white guys look the same to you. Anyway, anyway on to the next. <laughs> You're such a pill. All right, so we both thought it was uh, meets expectations. Yeah. For cinematography, did anything stand out? It was good or bad? A lot of things actually stood out um, for, for good in this episode. I actually was really impressed with the cinematography in, in pretty much every area that you can think of. It definitely had classic X-Files lighting, which um, oh. at least in the last episode we didn't get too much of. So it was nice to see a return to form there. We definitely got 
lots of, you know, going through buildings with just flashlights and you know, Scully crawling through the ductwork with, with yeah. just the flashlight. Like that was beautiful. I love it. Um, but then there's also stuff with just like the, the camera movement and camera angles that was really interesting. Um, there's yeah. one point where, where Mulder and Scully are walking and then Scully kind of pulls Mulder away to be like, I forget what she was telling about like, the camera totally like follow them and did this really. I think I know what scene you're talking about. It's when they were walking out of the building and she tells them like, you're taking this too personally because your buddy just died. Oh yeah. And she's like, you should go talk to yeah. someone. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go talk to someone. Yeah. At that scene. I, I know what you're talking about. Cause I noticed that Mulder was talking to her, but then he starts like walking backwards. Yeah. And then like the camera moves around them in a weird way. And then he's like almost, she almost like, talks him back into a wall mm-hmm. and then they talk for a bit and then he's like walks behind the wall and like peeks out or something to say something. Yeah. It was, it, that definitely stood out to me too. Yeah. Um, so I really liked the, the camera movement there. And then um, there were some really interesting things with the camera angles. Um, there were definitely some Dutch angles thrown in there oh, yeah. with uh, anybody who's listened to our, our Marvel Monday reviews over at the nitty gritty reviews podcast uh, knows that, we have a love-hate relationship with Dutch angles, but I think they worked pretty well because it was really only used when the the buddy, whatever his name was, um, goes into the building and it's like, oh, the computer's going to kill him. And it's yeah. like, there were like three or four different Dutch angles within like a, probably not even a five minute period. And it just really, you know, it's like, okay, even though it was, a, I think I even made a joke of like, I wonder if something bad is going to happen. <laughs> it was a little on the nose and yet it, it still kind of worked so I really liked that and then there was even things like uh like high angles looking down on people at times or low angles looking up it just seemed like a lot more um just dynamic camera angles than we usually see in tv in general and even with the episodes we've seen so far yeah. um usually the cinematography uh, gets high scores specifically because of the lighting and this one I felt like the camera work really did a lot yeah. as well um which was just great, especially because I have I have so many issues with the plot genre of the episode, and um, but but the more technical aspects, particularly with the camera, um, actually made it more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I actually thought the same thing. Um, yeah. And I noticed that there were certain things were shot more like a close up, and then others were from further away, even more yeah. so than X Files usually has. Yeah, and it did certain things from the like the point of view of the cam- of the uh, security cameras and oh yeah yeah there's a lot of little things like that and I thought that was pretty cool too even though there was very little of that sort of lush dark forest that we both really like and, and yeah. associate with X Files it was still pretty good uh, I actually gave it a nine out of ten I thought it was outstanding me too actually wow <laughs> I think we're onto something yeah oh there was also. I guess it doesn't matter because we both agree on on the score. But there was also some really interesting things with um, depth of focus that I really loved. Um, Like there's the scene where um, Mulder goes to talk to his buddy and they're, you know, I forget what they're talking about. And then um, Scully's in the background. She kind of turns around and is like, hey, Mulder, come look at this. And then it's like a a rock focus and shifts back to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was really interesting. And then when when Mulder goes to, to talk to brad in the jail and we see that this is the first time he goes to do it and the whole scene is shot from the outside of the cell looking in so the bars are always oh. in frame but they're like blurry and then they're in focus um so that was just a really interesting way to to film that scene you could have easily just 
gone on the other side of the bars and, right. and filmed it and we would understand that they're in the cell um but it just added a, an element of, of storytelling and, and visual appeal I guess just to make it look a little different so that was something else that I, I liked that contributed to my high score and now going from that category uh, so now we've got the subcategory of editing and special effects which was fine I gave it a five <laughs> I don't have anything I think yep same here no yeah notes. Perfect five, right in the center of meets expectations. Yep, me too. That was easy. Yeah. <laughs> now, your favorite category. I know you do this one. This episode really nailed it for you. <laughs> what did you think of the sound and the music? Uh, I don't think I disliked it as much as you think I disliked it. But um, yeah, this definitely had a, a return to form and a bad way for me at least as far as as going back to that heavy synth early 90s procedural type music um which which bothered me particularly because the last like two or three episodes we finally have gotten away from it I kind of thought we were maybe in the clear um and then this episode came along and it was it was so specifically that kind of music um but I still gave it a a 4.5 out of 10 or yeah a 4.5 out of 10 sorry um and so, so it still meets expectations, largely oh. because this episode, more so than some of the others, um, is very procedural and it's very technological. So it kind of makes sense okay. to have kind of a synthy sound, I guess, even though it's very dated and doesn't really hold up very well. And I wish they had done something better. Um, so it didn't really get any, you know, still not a particularly good score, but still meets expectations. So it's, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, uh, I thought pretty much the same thing. It uh, was kind of jarring to hear that sound that we I thought we got away from. Yeah. I don't know if they filmed this earlier and they just showed it out of order, so maybe they still thought that sound was a good sound for X-Files. Or maybe different sound people did different episodes. I don't oh, think no, so. Oh, no, it's all one person. Yeah, I thought it was all one person. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I did hear a few other little pieces of music here and there that I don't recognize or that I didn't recognize from any other episodes, but nothing really stood out as all that good or all that bad. So I gave it a five out of 10. Fair enough. All right. So that's going to bring us to aesthetics. Uh, what did you think about the aesthetics of this episode? I liked it. I thought that everything looked very clean and stark and, and kind of high tech, but still like an office building, like a high tech office, even the, uh, the first guy who dies, his like private bathroom was like very stark and clean and minimal. I mean, I, I guess I don't know why I said that. I'm not sure what else a bathroom would be like. <laughs> like 70s carpet everywhere or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, I thought the building looked really nice. And I don't know if it's special effects or aesthetics, but the stuff that looked like the, uh, the computer interface, where you have the blinking lights and all that, that was, that was all right. Pretty good. So I, I bumped it up a bit and I gave it a 7 out of 10 for aesthetics. Okay. Uh, I have pretty similar thoughts. I definitely liked the all of the sets, props, and locations I thought were, were really on point. But what really boosted this score for me is the uh, more character aesthetics of like hair, makeup, and costumes. Largely because I just love the way Scully looks by the end of the episode. <laughs> Like she's just, she's like still in her pajamas, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Yeah, with like a a coat thrown over and then she's been in the duct works and she's got 
Her hair is completely messed up. And even before she gets to that point, like they climb with 20 flights of stairs or something. She's all sweaty and her hair is all tussled. Yeah. And then she goes through all the all the vents and then she's got the just windblown hair to the extreme and dirt all over her face and scrapes. And yeah, that's, that's like she's just they really did not hold back as far as, you know, like she, she's had a rough day. Let's make it look like it. Which I really appreciate because I feel like it's real easy, particularly for TV. I feel like TV's usually more guilty of it than movies of, yeah. you know, glamorizing characters when they should look kind of bad. <laughs> and, yeah, right. um, so, so I really appreciated that aspect of the aesthetics as well. So overall, I gave it an 8 out of 10. What was your total score for the technical category? My total was a 6.2. Technically exceeds expectations, but is on the, the cusp between meets expectations and exceeds. 6.2, that's exactly what I got. Wow. We're uh, thinking alike on this one. Yeah. How about memorability? How memorability, memorable is this? Not very, I'm afraid. Um, it's definitely, I think, largely because of the season one episode, and I've seen every season one episode at least a half a dozen times, oh, if yeah. not more. Um, it's it retained a little bit more memorability than it probably would have otherwise. Um, because pretty much like I remember the basic premise of the episode, but a lot like I even forgot about Mulder's friend who had like there's a whole storyline where that's like a pretty major part of the plot and I forgot he was even in it. Like I just remember like, oh yeah, there's like a machine that wants to kill everybody and it's kinda like Hal from 2001 a Space Odyssey. That's pretty yeah. much the memorability of this episode. Um, that's pretty much the whole episode. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah. guess that's fair. Um, so I actually, I had given it a 4.5 out of 10. And then as I'm describing it, I'm realizing that um, that's probably a little bit too high. So I'm going to, I'm going to go down to a four out of 10 for memorability. Cause it's really, as far as like specific scenes and even whole characters that are in this episode, after all the times I've seen it, I didn't remember it going into it. It took until they showed up. I was like, oh yeah, this looks kind of familiar. And I've seen this episode, like I said, right. at least a half a dozen times. Um, so now that I'm explaining it out loud, I'm realizing it it does not meet expectations for memorability. So four out of 10 for me. Okay. Uh, this one is another one that's kind of hard for me to score. Initially, it was pretty high because, like I said earlier, I remember watching this for the first time. And I remember what I was doing when I was watching it. I remember what I built with Legos. I remember what <laughs> I was trying to build with Legos. That's very specific. I remember it very clearly. How old I, How old were you? I don't like, know. Probably embarrassingly too old to be playing with Legos. Oh, no. You're never too old to play with Legos. Uh, what, what year is this? 93? Yes. Or maybe 11 or 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely remember it. And I remember the uh, the garage door thing falling on the car and the elevator and the, the key that kills you if the switch is in the wrong <laughs> position. and. I remember all these little things, but I could have sworn there was a scene where someone goes into a sauna and the door gets locked and then like the, the knob gets turned up to the uh, cook a human alive temperature. That must be another episode because that sounds really familiar. I think it's just been done with this genre so many times. Like that's a yeah. trope. And, or maybe it is another episode. That's true. I kind of feel like weirdly that might be in an episode of Star Trek. I don't even remember which one, like if it was Next Generation or Voyager. I don't know. I think that's been used in a few different uh, franchises. I oh, guess. I'm sure. Yeah. So I, 
Like, I remember this episode a lot, but also I remember a lot of things in this episode that were not in this episode. <laughs> so I, I didn't give it the high score that I initially gave it, and I just gave it a 5 out of 10. How about overall enjoyment? I just cannot get over the fact that someone designed a building where there's a switch, and if it's in one position, using a key on a lock opens a door, and the other position electrocutes you. And they didn't bother with any of the elevator safety stuff. Yeah. And there's probably all kinds of other things that will kill people. Uh, I, I, it's one of those things where it's it's frustrating enough that it detracts from the enjoyability, so I gave it a 3 out of 10. Wow, that's harsh, but I totally get it. Um, I gave it a, a 5 out of 10 for overall enjoyment. It was kind of, for me, there are a lot of things that I surprisingly really like about this episode. Pretty much everything I've said that's positive so far in the grid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really like the things that I really like. But then exactly what you were saying as far as just the ridiculousness of the plot and the, not even just improbability, but just stupidness, I I guess. Everyone just got really stupid. I guess. Things for no real reason. Yeah. So, you know, I would have given it a a much higher score, but it kind of evened out. Like, there's the stuff I hate, there's the stuff I love, and they balance each other out to get a five out of 10. That's okay. kind of how I went about it. But I, I absolutely agree that the stupidness does yeah. does negatively affect the overall enjoyment significantly. Because I probably would have given this episode like a seven, maybe even an eight, if it wasn't for that. Because I really like, I like the character stuff that's going on. The camera work was really gorgeous. There's some great camera work going on in this episode. And that, you know, something's aesthetically pleasing that goes a long way for overall enjoyment for me. Like I can just look at pretty pictures and be satisfied a lot of the time. Yeah. But when it comes to Excel, I need more than that. Uh, did you give this episode any extra credit? Uh, I gave it two points. Okay, me too, actually. What did you give it for? One point was for just mentioning phone freaks. Okay. And like, as ridiculous as a lot of it is, someone somewhere tried to add a little bit of realism and a, a little bit of... Uh, contact with reality uh even when scully wakes up because uh she answers the phone and it's the computer modem yeah uh, and she runs over to the computer and she turns it on and you see on the screen very briefly what's happening and those are actual like dos commands from a batch file i haven't done that in a long time but i remember like <laughs> i saw echo on yeah which you wouldn't really do if you're trying to be all secretive yeah That's- not at all what you do. But anyway, <laughs> there's that and mentioning phone freaks. So I gave it one point of extra credit because they could have done without that. They could have just been, oh, it's magic or sorry, computers, it's technology. <laughs> and then the other point is for pure, this is a purely silly reason. There is a scene when Scully is listening to these cassette tapes of his, uh, <laughs> of lectures or something. Brad's lectures yeah. or Dave's lectures or whatever. <laughs> and, and she's, listens to it for a bit, and then she rewinds it and listens to it, and she does that a few times. And for some reason, it just, I, I, I thought of Scully, like, uh, at, at the turntables, like, as a DJ, <laughs> like, Eastern philosophy, Eastern philosophy, Eastern, Eastern, Eastern. <laughs> and yeah. I like that image. Cheers me up. So I give it one point <laughs> of extra credit for DJ Scully. Okay, so I also gave it two points of extra credit, and both are kind of uh, double dipping, as I tend to do when I really like something. 
Um, the first is just for the the Scully and her PJs by the end of the episode. It's just <laughs> it's just great that she's just gung ho in her pajamas, crawling through vents and holding defense agents up at gunpoint. Like she's just yeah. she's just in it. Um, so I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like two thirty, three in the morning. She's tired, exactly. and exhausted. And yeah, she's like. Mulder, just put the disc in the drive. <laughs> click enter. We can all go home. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I liked that quite a bit. So I gave it an extra credit point for that. And then I also gave it an extra credit point just for the um, being able to look at it in retrospect and still have a conversation about technology and people's fear of technology versus yeah. embracing technology, even though they went way overboard and way uh, stereotypical and tropey with the fear technology plotline. Um, I still think it's interesting to be able to start that conversation and, and look at it in retrospect and still be able to talk about it. So I think that's that's interesting and, and something that's still socially relevant 25 years later. Um, so I thought that was worth a, a little bit of extra credit, particularly because it, it lost so many points for that trophy yeah. plot line that I, I don't really care for. But I thought it was worth a little bump. Yeah. All right. So what was your total score? My total score, including... DJ Scully was 51 points exactly. Wow, that's really close to my score. I got 53.25. Uh, all right. Well, I think unless you have anything else to add, that's going to uh, wrap up our conversation of Ghost in the Machine. I, so I guess, was there anything else you wanted to add? I did that order that wrong. If there's not footage of DJ Scully on <laughs> YouTube, I might just have to add it. <laughs> So that's going to wrap up our conversation of Season 1, Episode 7, Ghost in the Machine. Next week, we will be back to talk about Season 1, Episode 8, Ice. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the grid rating system, be sure to check out uh, grittyfilms.com slash the grid. And that's gritty films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y, films.com. You can also check out the Gritty Films Patreon account over at patreon.com slash gritty films and you can subscribe and like and review all that good stuff this podcast on itunes that would be super awesome um i think that is gonna wrap everything up so we will see you next time thanks so much for listening